1: to another episode of Leverage Masters. I am your co-host, Gina Gaudio-Graves, and along with my co-host, Jack Humphrey, we are the founders of TheLeverages.com and divisio.com, the all-new affiliate network for folks doing good in the world. How are you this great day, Jack? Awesome. Sun decided to come out in Indiana, and I'm very happy about that. I kind of forgot what it looked um, like. Not down here. We've had the most amazing weather for the last couple of weeks. Like that absolute perfect weather in that narrow band of like 68, 69 at night to like 80-ish during the day with a nice little breeze blowing. Just fabulous weather.
0: This is the time of year in Indiana where I start to forget or question whether there ever was 80-degree temperatures in the history of the, you know, you just forget. You just, like, I I think that's so wonderful. Every spring, I'm amazed when flowers come up. Like, all the years I've lived on this planet, I'm in my 50th year now, I'm still completely surprised about spring. It just blows my mind, <laughs> the smells and everything. It just, just started to happened today. I smelled some flowers, and I'm like, oh, my God, I remember this, I think. This is amazing. <laughs> it's kind of like
1: being reborn every year. Oh, that's awesome. Well, we have got a great guest on today. You want to tell everybody about our guest, Jack? Yes,
0: we have yes. funnel master Chris Lockwood on today. Chris has run numerous online ventures since 2002. He's part of the old guard of Internet marketing, including membership sites, ebook book publishing, affiliate marketing, copy copywriting, e-commerce, physical products, blogging, email marketing, and many many others. And once you've been around this long, you've pretty much done it all. <laughs> He's built countless sites and pages and dozens of products of various types and spoken at multiple internet marketing events, primarily on the topics of membership sites and Kindle publishing. He's had number one, uh, three number one Kindle books uh, bestsellers in their respective categories. And he is the maestro at uh, customfunnels.com.
1: Chris, thanks for being not with us today. That, and I am not here. only that, How you doing? He's, a very good, he's also a very good friend of mine and has been a godsend the last couple of weeks. Many of you know I, I'm just getting out of the hospital and just getting back on the men. And Chris has been with me since the day I got out of the hospital to help me. Which, you know, that's a real true friend for you, Jack. Yeah, guardian
0: angel. Add that to the uh, long and illustrious list of things that uh, Chris is.
1: <laughs>
0: Absolutely. Well, for <if> doing <laughs> that, too, Chris. Oh, no problem. If you, I don't know if you've been to her place, but it's not the worst place to hang out for a while. Yeah, yeah. At least, uh, yeah. At least she doesn't live in the swamp somewhere. And, uh, you no, have to we're fight not on a single-wide well. trailer or anything like that. <laughs> Well, how are you doing, man? Uh, it's, uh, we briefly got well. to talk the other day and started to try to figure out where we had seen each other over <laughs> all of these years. And it came down to Mark Hendricks' events and maybe a Willie Crawford event or two. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, know yeah, it, I definitely it was good would to have seen you at Mark's event. That's for sure. Yeah. I want to about all of his. Yeah, I was some going other random some... events as well. You've probably been to a lot of them like I have as well. Yeah, back when events, you know, people had them. I don't know what people do nowadays, but it doesn't seem like uh no, they do have seems to big be a have way down. But uh, there were times when I yeah. might have went to half a dozen a year or even as many as ten a year. And now it's more like yeah, one year or Well I remember it was such a big deal that you, you you know, felt pressured to have your own event. I had one during Hurricane Katrina. Uh we were supposed to be at the Hyatt in downtown New Orleans. And that was, uh, yeah, was the one the I was showing. I was supposed to go to that. I was supposed to go to that one. And I never <laughs> we went ended up New having before. it online. Right. So I never <laughs> well I, I, I never got to see the city before I, I did visit there after, but I never got to see the city before Katrina. I mean the city before Katrina. Yeah. It was crazy. That was one of the first big conferences that was scheduled to be in the real world that had to be completely moved online. That was a logistics, incredibly logistical nightmare. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, I know when I saw the, the, the event hotel on the news and, and half the windows blown out, but I, I don't think this event's happening. No, I still had hope. You know, when you get that kind of a freight train running, it's very, very difficult to stop. There's a lot of people doing a lot of stuff, and it's like, well, yeah. Well, they know about hurricanes. They probably have windows in storage. <laughs> They can pop all the windows back in, and, and it will be okay. Everything's going to be fine. That, that stage yeah. of denial was strong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But what are the odds so, of that well, city and that, that date were, were what were chosen? And it just happened to be oh, know. like the once-in-a-hundred-year storm hits. Right. So what's, uh, what's life for you like these days? What's burning in your belly? Uh, what gets you out of bed ready to greet the day these days? Oh, a bunch of things, and mostly spend most of my time doing funnels and copywriting. Yeah, you know, I still do a few other things. So you're at custom funnels. What what's that work entail? Uh, What do you do for people? Well, it's it's building funnels for clients, and I can get into a little bit about what funnels are if you want. But um, you know, it's essentially a process for for selling more of your stuff online. And uh, and you know, since I've been around online for about 15 years, it's funny. It just seems the last few years, people throwing the word funnel around like it's something new. It really isn't. It's just somehow the word's gotten really popular the last few years. But it's and there's people have different definitions of it. But it's like some people think it's just a bunch of web pages that are hooked together, and that's part of it. But it's it's really the process that you walk people through to to buy your stuff online. So it's a web page. Isn't that weird that it's, uh... Yeah, it's, it's your th- it's product. It's sexier and your than. But I mean, if you just have a of I mean, they just pages, reinvented something that yeah. already existed. Like you're right. They we we I was taken by surprise when ClickFunnels really took off, and the copy yeah. that Brunson and those guys are using, they really are just completely omitting uh, on purpose the fact that. It's the same thing that we've always done, <laughs> Right. but right. it sounds brand new, and it's like, wait a minute, okay, so there's a massive generational shift going on on the internet. There have been right. a couple of them, but there are people coming online now who really don't have any vocabulary or any historical perspective whatsoever on what we used to do, so to them it is brand new, and it was kind of a really neat way to reinvent and rebrand something that was... Something that you and I, we all just treated like, well, I mean, yeah, you gotta have a sales page and you gotta have an opt-in page and you gotta have a follow-up and the mid. I mean, we just never really got sexy about it. Now it's like funnels. Do you have a funnel? How's your funnel doing? I'm like, that's kind of weird because I'd think you'd be saying, "How's your product? How's your product development? Your, you know, the thing that you're selling." The funnel, of course, goes with it. It's very strange, but it's you know, it's interesting. We still get to learn new things all the time, I guess. And a lot of people seem to think if you use particular software, then you automatically have a funnel. When you really just have a bunch of web pages that can be part of a funnel. But obviously, if you don't have the products or services people want to buy, or if you don't have good copy, then a bunch of web pages by themselves isn't, aren't that useful. But people s- seem to think if you use particular software, that you automatically have a funnel when you, when you finish building your pages. It's it's kind of humorous in a way. Yeah. Well, and everything's changed so much. Everything's, and it continues to. Even people who came, you know, around and started a business, uh, you know, a year or two ago are seeing crazy changes now. I mean, it just seems to be really speeding up. And people are just debating whether or not to have a website anymore. People are, and then, there, you know, there are great examples of that. The reason that for the debate is that there are people who don't have websites who are killing it. They're YouTubers and they're, you know, uh, podcasters and, you know, there's all kinds of people that just come on and don't know anything about what we used to do with Internet marketing or what Internet marketers right. do these days. And they're just kind of self-inventing stuff and becoming right. successful, like out of just sometimes luck or whatever. And uh, those of us who always lived by a plan. it's kind of rattling sometimes it's like, wow, man, you're really flying by the seat of your pants, but you made it. So I can't argue with you, but there's a lot of other people that see that and can't do it who end up coming to maybe custom funnels or some other places to get advice from people who are like, you know, you got to do this and you got to have a site. You got to have a place. I mean, you got to have some kind of a plan, man. Yeah. And you know, there's so many ways to make money online that I think people just get so confused because they think they have to do everything. There's 200 different business models, and everyone's saying, "Well, you got to have this, and you got to have that, and you got to have be actively on 38 different social networks at the same time, and you got to, you know, do all this other stuff that no one person could possibly do at all." But people are kind of led to believe you got to master these 200 different things, and you really only need to do maybe if you could do two or three of them well, you'd be fine. Yeah, and if you if you every, so everybody was encouraged. The internet really screwed everything up cuz before it was really hard to write a book, it was really hard. You had to do something really incredible to get on the radio or TV, and that kept the noise down to a manageable amount. Mm-hmm. You know, like there could only be so many experts in things just because it was so damn hard to do anything. And now it's opened up to everybody and then people are automatically encouraged that you need to teach everybody what you know. You need to yeah. have a brand. And so now everybody's out there doing it a hundred thousand different ways, and saying only from their experience can they say the way that I do it is the way you ought to do it because it worked for me and now you've got that's where all that confusion I think comes in right It's like you just it's really difficult to choose back in the day, we had like two or three choices
1: you could mm-hmm. sell
0: ebooks there wasn't any kind of webinar software, you couldn't just hold online things you couldn't you know, and it it was frustrating because we knew there should be more. We knew more was coming. And so mm-hmm. once we used up our three little tricks, we're just sitting there kind of twiddling our thumbs and then going out and repeating stuff on the bulletin boards and stuff like that over and over just out of sheer boredom because there was nothing left for us to do once we were done with it. Now the opposite problem is everybody's out there with a million different options, and I just see a huge herd of deer in the headlights with a lot of people who are just, they don't, they're frozen by all the opportunity that there is because they can't make a choice. Can you worked a lot with of people like that and just try to guide them through, you know, here's what you yeah, need to do. Yeah. A lot, You've lot of people deer, just deer, make a choice. Yeah. Deer in the headlights is a good analogy because like I said, there's, they're getting, they're probably on a hundred different email lists, if not 500 and they're, everyone's bombarding them. Well, you got to get this product to be able to be successful and you gotta you know like you gotta you gotta buy this thousand dollar course on press releases and this thousand dollar course on whatever and each of those things is just one little thing that you don't necessarily have to do at all, but people are led to believe you gotta you gotta master a million different things and getting back to what you said about experts, there seem to be a lot of fake experts out there like they're not necessarily trying to deceive people, but I know there are people out there coaching people on how to do things that they've never really done themselves successfully and that I don't know if they realize that or not, but like like, if you don't know, if you've never been on a, on, on a date that went well, you probably shouldn't be a dating coach, that kind of thing. Yeah. Or you've never made or yeah. you've never made money at, at a certain business, but your coach, like, say you coach real estate investing, but you've never done a successful deal yourself. There's a lot of that yeah. going on. They think, well, I, you know, I've read books on it. I know how to do it. I'll just coach people on it, which is scary, because if I'm going to hire a coach, I would hope they would at least have done what they're going to teach me. Otherwise, it's kind of kind of. Ooh. I would say worthless, but really beyond worthless is harmful because you're, you're being told the wrong stuff and you're putting your energy towards doing, taking the wrong steps. Be worse than, you'd be better off not having a coach at all. Just figuring it out. On your Yeah. Own. It is strange. And I think people do whatever they have to do to excuse it in their minds. I, I'm sure that everybody hits some kind of a moment, maybe at three in the morning where they're, I don't think this doesn't feel right. I mean, I don't know anything about this stuff and I'm, yeah courses on it and <laughs> but the uh the the distance between them and money it's right at their fingertips. it just it seems to be an overriding. it just has some kind of a override switch in your brain that just goes it just prevents you from not going forward. you know you have to continue forward. They said I could do it, and it is really, really, really easy to get people to give you money, yeah uh, with some copy a uh, a nice funnel system <laughs> and, uh-huh. uh, formerly known as just, you know, your, your sales system, but, right. uh, and it's too hard to pass up for people. But, you know, when I talk to clients, I usually get people who have already spent 20 or 30 grand somewhere <laughs> and, uh, you know, and they're at the, kind of at the end of their rope at this point. I'm like, you, I really wish you would have had a little bit more sense to come see me first. They always have yeah, the the real experts last. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's sad, but what can you do? Yeah. And so many people have paid a lot for coaching or or mentoring or whatever, and never really got anything out of it. Yeah. Well, and it was more alluring. I mean, they, they fell in love with a sales pitch before they ever realized, you know, or really thought, am I an entrepreneur? Do I have what it takes? What is an entrepreneur? And are any of those traits, any traits that I share, Because a lot of times I see people get into something, they start something because it looks so good that the person who told them they ought to do it, they're they're going around and they're speaking or they're always on podcasts or they're just, they're blowing up. And they think that looks really cool. And then they make a decision to follow that person into their training before they've ever really figured out if this is for them. And I think everybody's got some entrepreneurial spirit in them and Mm -hmm. that can be developed and everything. But jumping ahead of that, and just grabbing a course, getting a coach, whatever, I find a lot of people aren't following through after a certain point because they haven't really ever addressed what does this mean? I'm really changing my entire life. At least that's the way they ought to be treating it. And then they wake up one day going, oh, this is scary, or I think I might fail, or I never really thought about what I would look like on camera or sound like or, you know, whether I could write copy or anything, and now I'm nervous about it, and I see a huge number of people stalling out at that point. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. And there, and, and from the other side, there are a lot of people to get a good coach, but then they don't do what the coach tells them to do, and then they don't get the results they want, and then they blame the coach. I see that happen a lot. Yeah. Well, your coach can't do anything more than 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 tell you what what you should do, and if you don't follow their advice, then you can't really blame them. But that's how many times have you heard a story? I hired so and so to coach me, I paid him ten grand or whatever, and a year later I hadn't made a dime well, did you do what he told you to do? No, but, you know, I'm not going to take responsibility for that. I'm just going to say that I paid him a lot of money and, and I didn't get results. And I guess thinking that they were, maybe they thought they were hiring the coach to do it for him or something. I don't know. But I, I've heard that just about everyone that coaches has stories like that. Like, you know, I told yeah. him how to do A, B, C, D, and he didn't do any of the steps, and then now he's blaming me for his lack of success. Yeah, and I it took me many years to think of it in any other way than an Internet-exclusive problem. But the thing is, it's just more public. People can flame out on the Internet a lot more publicly than they did when they went to the downtown area of their... wherever they live. You know, in Mm -hmm. small towns, it's really easy. The downtowns, you can rent space there for nothing a month because it's already, you know... (laughs) Everybody's going Uh to the outskirts to Lowe's and the mall and stuff like that. And and everybody tries... And fails. They open up a store and then it closes pretty quietly compared to how badly you can flame out on the Internet. Because if you're branding, if you're following Gary Vaynerchuk and people like that, you're Mm -hmm. putting yourself out there in the biggest way you possibly can. And if you fail, everybody notices. And I used to think it was just an Internet thing. But people have been flaming out and not following, you know, good expert advice for long before the Internet. You know, uh, it's it's a lot more visible on the Web. Yeah, I mean I I like watching uh, any of the business shows on T V and where, where the expert comes in and tells them how to fix the business. So I've there's so I can tell the offline businesses are just as bad with people doing stuff that they don't know what they're doing. You know, like running yeah. a restaurant and not knowing what their costs are or not even knowing if they're pricing their stuff high enough to pay their I mean literally that bad and they've been running the restaurant for twenty years and they wonder why they're struggling to pay their bills. It's like, well you're selling your house at a you. Yeah. <laughs> But it's usually some family Like, what are you going to do then... to last for 20 years? And then, yeah, there's a lot of people like that, too, in the, in the business. And, yeah, it's kind of crazy. Oh. They still they, well, they sense yeah. that there's something there. And every day they're like, I'm going to wake up and today is going to be different. But they go and they do the same thing they did yesterday. Every yeah, day well, it's like one, Groundhog the, Day. The stories I've seen where they suggest how they would last 20 years? It's like, it, it was fine at first. It was like a family business. And the kids inherited or whatever and didn't know how to run it, or they hadn't changed the menu or the decor in those 20 years. And it was great when it was, everything was hip and timely when they, when they launched, but now it's uh, horribly dated and they haven't, they can't recognize that they need to come in and change their menu and update their decor and and that kind of thing. They just think you can do the same thing forever and, 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 uh, and be profitable and you can't, you know, something like that where the public's taste changes a lot. I think that's the reason well, for that. Well, what about, what about successful people who were really uh, uh, on the Internet when they were big, like in the 2000s and stuff? I mean, you, I could be accused of that because I was way out there at that point, and then I kind of disappeared from the people who were watching for me in those spaces. I wasn't filling those spaces anymore. And I I noticed a lot of people in our graduating class of 1998 to 2005 or whatever of the Uh original internet marketers and uh, just go away. Like I remember when Jonathan Mizell just disappeared and nobody's expected to know who he is uh, on the Uh show or anything, but he was really, really big back in the day and he was teaching people all kinds of great stuff. He was one of the good guys. One of the guys that always got praised for having really good quality training and all of that, and then he just really disappeared. He didn't tell anybody that I know of, because I asked everybody, has anybody seen? And he went and started buying, uh, he started doing media buys, big okay. band uh buys and stuff on Yahoo. And uh, and didn't tell anybody, hey, I'm switching, or whatever. I mean, he, I, presumably he had a huge list. He could have still been doing stuff with and everything, but yeah, I mean, well, he I know was he's, gone. He's in Hawaii, there's a lot sure. of people like that. He, yeah, he, do you know, who do you think, who's 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 somebody like that for you that just went away and you're like, "Oh my God, did something bad happen and, there, and well, actually it was something good well, there's a lot of them where like they disappear, and you don't know, did they retire did they maybe they're doing client work so they're not they're not promoting to their list anymore I mean there's probably half the famous people from ten years ago are like that. And then there may be some that just you know flamed out and now they're you know working at a hardware store or something. You never really know because it's not like something you would announce. You wouldn't say like, oh, I just wanted to let you all know my business failed and I'm going back to my old job. I mean, let people think that you're yeah. so rich re- that you retired or something, or you're they're writing copy for clients and you never hear them because it's all by referral. So you, it just looks like they just kind of went away. But and in most cases, what you know, why would yeah. you announce? It? Unless you're having your retirement Right, sale well, I mean, in some cases, it would be hard not to announce because, uh, in Jonathan's example, he was wildly successful, uh, more so than he was when he was the brand, Jonathan Mizell. And I've, we're just such a braggadocious group when things are going good. I would have figured he'd yeah. come back and say, hey, everybody, I'm over here killing it. Because everybody was like, oh, man, he failed. And he left everybody with that impression, and it wasn't true at all. He was oh, no. really killing it, just not out in the public space anymore, not doing it out in front of everybody. But I did watch him on a webinar a year or so ago with Jason Moffat where he was uh, coming out with an email marketing course. So that that was in the last yeah. year. It dies hard, man. I, I imagine – I mean, everybody – you know, that was one of the things for me when I – started with, you know, doing consulting work and stuff like that and kind of getting away from the limelight stuff, I missed it. And I think about it all the time. It's like, man, that would be great to have a giant launch right now. I know how much work it is, but I know, you know how you get far away from a launch and you're like, it wasn't so bad. But you uh-huh. can't remember, like, how many days you stayed up all 24 hours and yeah. all the balls you got to juggle and everything. But you get far enough away and you're like, I'd love to do another million-dollar launch. I got, mm-hmm. I didn't get to do a million. I got uh, three-quarters of a million was my biggest thing. And I just okay. missed it. I was like, I want to do that again. But then I go, no, you don't. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah. Nobody wants to do that. That's crazy. Yeah. There's other ways to do that. Yeah. Maybe maybe because events have faded so much, that's why you don't see some people around as much because they're the same people that would have been speaking at all the events that are no longer taking place. Right. So they that's have a, a lower point, profile. Yeah. yeah. But for some yeah. reason, you
1: know,
0: it, it, it got to the point where, you know, I was told originally that when the economy was bad several years ago, that's why events flamed way down. But then they never really didn't seem to revive when the economy revived. So I don't really know what the real reason was. But the explanation was always, well, think, people don't want to spend money to travel, so they're not going to events anymore. But you think, wouldn't that eventually, you know, when things improve, that people will be more willing to go back to their habits of traveling and going to these events? But that doesn't seem to have taken place for more than a few events. Yeah. if that make sense? I think I think the economy knocked a lot of people out that didn't have the experience to know that, you you know, you hold on through these times and it will be yeah. back, and they just left. You Because know, yeah. they barely had the experience to be on top as they were before the crash. And they're just like, this was going to last forever. We're going to live forever. <laughs> yeah. And then it doesn't happen. And then they're just like, I don't have a plan for this. I'm going back to corporate America. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh,
0: and then that have a struggle there because people weren't hiring at that time either. So I think a lot of yeah. people didn't come back. I think a lot of people got knocked out by stuff like that and never came back and decided it was too volatile, that one event, uh, too too risky i had never planned on anything like that i'm aware of a few that have gone back to more traditional type jobs yeah Yeah. like selling insurance which is no more really solid but it's based on your confidence in it as well so it might not be as you know as solid as it used to be there's no you know retiring with a gold watch or anything anymore Uh, yeah but but it's a it's a combination, isn't it, of their confidence in that in themselves in that environment and the environment itself the combo seems to feel and maybe actually will be with that combination more solid to them and uh more sustainable to them than sure. this ever was makes a lot of sense, yeah. You know. I'm a, I'm really, you're a tool guy, right? You build funnels, you do copy, you, you Mm -hmm. know, intimately the inner workings of all the stuff that makes up a good sales system. Um, Yeah. I have a software background, so that helps. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you also, I know this, I already know kind of what, you know, the direction your answer probably is going to go in. Okay. Um, but I, I'm not dig- I'm not playing downplaying the role of tools and the importance of tools. Do you think it's kind of ironic that the number one thing that people are selling online right now in the internet marketing space is funnel technology and talking more about the tools than they are? What do you have to sell? How do you engage people? How do you connect with your market and all of that stuff? It seems kind it's of weird, not, doesn't it? It's not, a, not really surprising. It's just the old online gold rush again where the people that make the money are the ones that are selling the shovels and the tents and the caps and all that to the miners. And I think it's easier to it's, talk about tools than to, to actually teach people how to like how to create a good product and how to write good copy and that stuff that that's actually involves some work and thinking. It's easier to let people think, oh, you just use the magic page builder and you're going to sell a million copies of your – useless product today or whatever. Or gloss no. over the fact that you need to have the product in there. Just let them think that you've got the magic funnel totally leaving out the fact that there has to be something people in there that, that people want to buy or a funnel is useless. But it's hard I mean to isn't that much more marketing it? software is though. You think, oh if you only had this you're gonna supercharge your sales. If you only got the well, right I mean, autoresponder, that's... the right shopping cart, yeah. the right whatever that's kind of where I made uh, an awful lot of money was yeah. selling tools. And, and when yeah. I sold training, when I sold know-how, and in that know-how included, you got to work your ass off, I did it very delicately. I did it in a way yeah. – I, I mean, I didn't at first. Because really, back in the day, people were impressed by the amount of crap you had in your membership site. And you had to come with huge amounts of modules and uh-huh. funk factor, you know, like when you slam the book yeah. down on the desk and it's got a big oh, yeah. funk. And it, it had to have that, and people wouldn't buy your stuff if it felt light. Nowadays, yeah. people are selling membership sites where you go in and it goes, congratulations, there's nothing here, but we're meeting on Wednesday, uh, and that's the first piece of content that you're going to get. So thanks for buying now. There's nothing yeah. here for you to do, nothing here yeah. for you to see. We're having a webinar on Thursday. Thanks. See you yeah. there. We'll drop you yeah. an email. Yeah, it's like, why is there even a membership site, right? It could just be done by It's email. weird, and people are buying into that. Like, if I came out with blog success today, it would be blog failure. It <laughs> it wouldn't work because it was yeah. a, a library of Congress in internet marketing. It had every oh, yeah. single thing you could ever possibly want or need to do, and nowadays people look at that, and that's the deer in the headlights thing. It's like, I I need something simpler. There's a guy over here that says, if I just buy his funnel thing – uh. My whole, all my dreams will be realized. And you're telling yeah. me the opposite. I have to work and stuff. <laughs> so, I mean, it's cynical maybe, but it's also yeah. it, you, you go where people are willing to spend their money and people yeah. want to be, you, they want you to blow in their ear a little bit and say, it's okay, it's, you don't have to worry about this stuff. And they leave the training and everything to other people and sell the tools up front. And then somebody's going to have to teach them how to use it at some mm-hmm. point or what to put in it. And give Mm -hmm. that tool some context and content. But by that time, a lot of people are out of money or time or both. Yeah. (laughs) And then it doesn't work out. Yeah. Exactly. It's a strange world we live in. But it is. uh, You you saying it's the same thing. I mean, that gold rush, selling the tools, it really is. That's what it is. It's just a different name. And sometimes I go, ooh, we're in a new era. Something new is happening, and I need somebody like you to remind me, nope, it's just a different name. It's not new at all. (laughs) They just figured out a new way to call the same thing something else. So, I mean, think of what's a real stable in business, something like an autoresponder system that has a zillion customers that keep paying you every month because they're going to be needing that forever. Not that I would want to be in that business myself, but, I mean, you see, that's pretty stable business for as stable as it gets online something like ClickFunnels. Yep. I mean, they've got who knows how many th- thousands of customers and the ones that use it are going to, are going to keep paying for it forever. Right. You get uh, golden handcuffed. like hosting And I, and, I, stuff. I, and I hear that's possibly a nine figure business now. I mean, it's pretty huge for, uh, you know, the, the, the classic one person started business. It's gotta be the biggest of its kind thus far. I, I imagine yeah. it is. With yeah. with a pretty handy margin. Oh yeah. yeah, and and Greg's good for him. I mean, good on him. It's it is a neat tool. I, I, I'm concerned about what people know about what to do with it. But the tool yeah. itself, awesome. I mean, I have no right, problems right. with that. And and that's what right. he's selling. You know, it's it's not like he said, uh, and I'll teach you how to do. A, a gazillion other things with it or whatever. He stays very right. focused on the technology and stays very right. close to that wheelhouse. So there's really nothing right. bad to say about that. But, uh, you yeah, know, no, the and high. then you've got people like Gary Vaynerchuk out there who are, who are just like, go hustle. And he'll just teach you to go on Instagram and spend seven hours replying and being of service to people. Seven hours. Uh-huh. And he's not kidding. He says it all the time. Get on there. Yeah. I mean, he's got things where he's w- working with professional Uh, athletes and stuff. And he's like, seven hours, just go answer people's stuff and let them, you know, go find the the right people and help them and be of service. And and that's literally, like, he doesn't ever tell anybody to get a website. Like, never does Gary Vaynerchuk. He's just like, hustle, hustle, hustle. Get on your channel. Get on Snapchat. Get on all this third-party stuff. And, you know, uh, and that's a huge marketing channel. I mean, there's a huge megaphone in front of Gary Vaynerchuk. He's affecting a lot of people. Don't you think a lot of that's personality-driven, though? That works for Gary, but a lot of us don't really want to be that, you know, out there hustling like that. Like, I don't Once want to be again, famous myself. Well, yeah, that's the thing. and A lot of people find themselves I, – I just saw a girl post a uh, young French girl who, uh, on Twitter saying, I finally did it, time to start my branding program. And I'm like, I wonder – so I went and looked at her profile and a picture of crush it is in her profile. She's a Vaynerchukite and,
1: uh-huh.
0: <laughs> and he had convinced her to finally get out there. But you know, I couldn't figure out what the hell she was branding herself to do. Like she put uh-huh. a big picture up and it looked like it was a, a snapshot of a video or something that she was doing. Uh-huh. And he's really big on the, uh, the, the video blogging now. And, uh-huh. uh, but I couldn't figure out what she was doing. She just was convinced by him to go out and start her brand. And but, but she, and she did kind of, I guess, but I don't even know what it is. So it's a real cart before the horse moment for some people oh, yeah. who are just getting wrapped up in the emotion and his delivery. Is, yeah. And he's, he's really a badass. I mean, he really is truly yeah. a badass. But I think a lot of people don't connect the dots, like you said, with do I want to be anywhere in the remote vicinity of the energetic level that he has to be in order to have built the empire that he has. And most yeah, people's answer not, to that obvious, I too. don't think No. know. Yeah. And so yeah. I think part of being successful is figuring out what you're good at and what you're not good at and focusing on what you're good at. Some of us are better sitting well, behind not, the scenes so, and doing stuff, and some are better being the front man like Kiki Barnum or something. What do you know about that? Like, let's, let's go completely the opposite. Everybody knows Gary's okay. spiel. Uh-huh. you know we don't have to go there cuz everybody knows what we're talking about but let's help the uh-huh. introverts right now what is the hottest stuff that you've seen that it requires the exact opposite of what Gary is saying where you can be behind the scenes what's a really good behind the scenes example you can give of somebody killing it where they don't have to be a oh, brand i think i think, I think anyone I th- almost anyone in the info marketing niche can do can be that cuz you don't have to be a, a public speaker you can you can be a writer and, and, and uh, a coach and all that stuff without being, you know, an extrovert at all. I think. I mean, about the only extrovert yeah. part of it, it would be if you if you chose the speaker route, which you know with the events declining, there's not as many opportunities for that, anyways. But I mean, look how look how yeah. many people are doing well as something like a copywriter, where where most people don't even know their name, they just get referrals.
1: Yeah,
0: and they're not talking to anyone. For but their, all but their the clients. the that- all the people who create products for spaces like ClickBank and right. Vizio and JV2 and, and places like that. I mean, there are a lot of people out there that are creating a lot of stuff. And if it wasn't making money, those places wouldn't be as big as they are. Still, I mean, right. ClickBank just keeps growing. So and you can and I don't do that anybody without anybody in the ClickBank marketplace. I don't know any celebrities. I know they use it, but you don't even know that they're using ClickBank until you check out or something. But back in the day, everybody was kind of some sort of personality. When we were selling eBooks and things like that, nowadays yeah. to be a majority of very anonymous people relative to like a Vaynerchuk that are just killing it, really quietly. Yeah, and, just, and, Here's my and product. there's a lot it's of, really good. Yeah, a lot of pen names too, so you don't even know if it's so you can be really anonymous there, or create an info product under a pen name, and then no one even knows that you're doing it.
1: And you, can, so if, you and if you put with, out
0: videos, someone else can narrate them. I mean, you don't even have to have your voice out there if you don't want to. Yeah. Oh, I know. You can hire everybody for the, the front st- stuff. A lot of internet marketers I see doing that. They're hiring and have been for years hiring uh, people who are just professional speakers. Like one guy, that Todd guy uh, at JVZoo, who was a former weatherman or news yeah, or something – Remember Todd when growth, everybody yeah. was hiring him to sell their stuff, and then those guys who built that stuff never had to get on camera. They just went yeah. and JV'd with Todd. Yeah, and that's well, what he's, he's still doing, doing that. Him. He's still doing that, and well, he's so good at it because he's a professional broadcaster. He's got a great voice, and he's really good on camera, and plus he knows the marketing stuff too. So he's, you know, he's a good guy to hire if you want someone to narrate your stuff yeah. or, or or market it for you. But I'm pretty sure he's still doing that. Yeah, I mean that I was I a know natural way for him thing. to get into the internet marketing niche from, from what his background was. Right, and what a great job if you can get it right. I mean, basically, who you remember that guy who was the voice of the movies, and he'd just drive around in a limo all over LA to from sound studio to sound studio, yeah. and he'd get paid yeah. five or ten grand just to pull up, be let out, read a couple of lines about the next movie. It's so good, yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger, yeah. and he would just be. They go around and make about two or three hundred thousand dollars a day.
1: Yeah, what, in a world leading where up blah, to blah, blah. movie yeah. season.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean that's yeah. kind of like what Todd's doing, and no, yeah. no skin off him. I mean that's brilliant. Um, that is really yeah. awesome. Yeah. Well, a good voice goes a long way, and knowing how to narrate things. I mean, look at you could make a nice living doing Pixar movies or something. Yeah. Yeah. When well, that, that seems I like, like it'd it be a real, it seems like it'd be a real fun it. work. It's probably probably harder than it looks, but I'm, I'm. It seems like it would be a really cool thing to do. Oh yeah, I would love to do that. Just pull up in a limo all day long, different places.
1: <laughs> make
0: sure they take the green M and M's out of the bowl, or I won't work. Yeah, you know. Yeah. I've always or even pull diva. up in a normal, even pull up in a regular car for those rates. Not I take a thousand evening. an hour, that would be fine. I'd work eight hours a day, make eight grand a day. That'd be perfect. Yeah, I'd leave it all behind for that job. <laughs> yeah. All you need is that perfect voice, Crazy. right? Yeah. Well, that ain't going to happen, so I better stick to something else. The the uh idea of letting people back in or getting the pressure off. I think I I think I like this where we're going with this because there's a lot of pressure out there to be a big a big face, a big Story, right. a personal brand, and all that stuff. And I think a lot of people are hearing so much about that that they might be feeling like there's nothing else they could do. Like, do I have to do that? Because I'm not that little Gary Vaynerchuk ball of energy. I can't do yeah. that. I'm not. Or other people aren't being honest with themselves, saying, yeah, yeah, I can do that. And then they're going to set themselves up to flame out. It, it, and I think like it might people... be because they don't know there's alternatives to that that are very successful, too. And I think people think they have to start out as a big star. But if you think of it more like the music industry or the or the, or the TV or movie industry, where people don't start out as big stars, they start out as unknowns, and they do little bit parts or, or whatever, and they work their way. You know, they don't start out by headlining at stadiums. They start playing bars or whatever, and they work their way up. And they don't expect to be famous yeah. for years. But on the Internet, people are, I don't know if it's impatience, or seeing celebrities like Gary that they think that, Oh, I got to come out of the gate is like the like the the world's top expert on whatever, and it's pretty hard right. to do that even if you Which are. Is,
1: yeah, it gets kind of that hilarious. fast usually. usually,
0: Gary is always reminding people that I worked my ass off seven days a week for fifteen years selling wine. Yeah, I worked at a uh, a, a liquor store, <laughs> you know, and he did. And I can vouch for that. I interviewed him on uh, My Little Tiny Podcast when he was sandwiching me between CNN and BBC
1: on his oh, very wow. first
0: book when he got his 10-book deal, his very oh, first wow. book. He came, and I was just like, I can't believe I could barely interview him. I was so nervous. I was like, uh-huh. for me, he was already big. And the rest wow. of the world had never even heard of him yet. And yeah. I was just like, "Oh God, this is crazy." So I asked him a bunch of—I mean, it was the worst interview possible that i would ever given, just because of my nerves. I couldn't get him under control, and so yeah. I just did a horrible job. But it yeah. was Gary on your show. If you just shut up, like I should be doing now, <laughs> uh, he would—he took uh. over and he was just like, "Oh yeah, it's beautiful." Uh, you know, if you just edit out all the parts where Jack was in there, and yeah. uh, I was going to so, say, just say hi, Gary, please talk for half an hour. Yes, yeah. <laughs> tell me your whole life story, and he could do it too. But I mean, it, he was hustling back then. I can vouch. A lot of people look at him now and they see that overnight success kind of thing because they just don't know. And I remember, I I was watching Wayne Larryberry TV way before it got really super big, and then and then it did, and then he got the book deal and all that stuff. So there's a history there, a big long hard hard working history. And a lot of people think, man, he's just chilling. He's got people videoing him all the time. And in order to have that posse, to have somebody constantly editing your stuff to make it look so good and putting up yeah 24-7 yeah. social media updates and everything else, I mean, you have to have done a lot of work to get to that point. Yeah. And, and he also says very fairly, I don't think a lot of people should be doing what I'm doing. Because this yeah. is crazy. I mean, my the yeah. strain on my family and my life and everything else. He's very upfront about all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So if you do get attracted to that thing, it, it's not like he didn't warn anybody and say, you know, there's a lot of work to this stuff. But yeah. a lot of the behind the scenes people, they don't have to work that hard either. Like it doesn't. It's not an. It's not a equate. It doesn't equate the hardness that that Gary's had to work is not, you don't have to go, if you go underground, or if you're behind the scenes a little bit, it doesn't mean you also have to work as hard as Gary underground. You don't. There's a lot more leverage that can be had there, like hiring people to be your face when you need a face, if you don't want to do that, and and those kinds of things. So I actually think the behind the scenes thing is better. For me, it's better. You know, yeah. I mean, podcasting is an, is an exception, but I just don't look at this that way. A lot of people might, but I just don't. But yeah, I think I think people have a lot more places to apply leverage and do really cool stuff that seems really big and pays really well, but it's not nearly as hard as people like Gary work. What do you feel about that? And Don't you think the success of his wine show had a lot to do with his personality? Because you could watch that and be entertained even if you didn't care at all about wine. But if he was kind of a I didn't a nerdy introverted type. I know a but, lot of people who didn't care.
1: <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I, didn't, but, I mean, if he the wrong person about
0: wine, if he had the wrong personality, that show would never have taken off. I don't think. Not at all. It kind of reminds me old, of you know uh, uh, Jim Kramer, the investment guy that's always yelling and screaming on CNBC. I think that's the channel he's on. You know, yeah. Mad Money or something like that. Well, I mean, you could watch that campaign yeah, even if you don't care about investing. You're like, this guy's crazy. I, I want to see more of him. Yeah, I want to find out what be, that bus does. Some, it could just be some boring you know, investment guy talking about ROI or whatever. You know, who knows? It was. Before that, that's exactly who that guy was, and nobody watched it.
1: And, yeah, uh, he, and so he
0: amped up his personality to. <laughs> yeah, yeah I wasn't aware of that, but it wouldn't I mean, surprise me. No, I mean, that kind of show was. Not really a show. Nobody would ever have called it a show until Kramer came around. And then they called it a show because it was a show. Yeah. But before that, it was a guy reading dry stats off Excel spreadsheets yeah. on the, the yeah. teleprompter. And yeah, and we got that out of the way as soon as we could because only the geekiest of investors were watching that kind of crap anyway. Yeah. And it was also yeah. back in the day where decisions could be made deliciously in a, in a normal time frame. That was back before computers were investing in a hundredth yeah. of a second decisions and you know you could watch a tv show and make a good call but the nowadays the computers have already done it they've already beat you to it you have to do a whole different thing now so kramer made a show instead and like in general we're talking about investing stuff that you can't make decisions on right now but you know you might there might be some long-term plays and stuff like that but people are basically tuning in to watch a show like about investing and that's cool for them (laughs) yeah they like it yeah yeah. It's, so very, uh, to, it's a yeah. very weird world. Going back to what we were saying yeah. about introverts, I wanted to point out to people, like we were talking about, the, the you know, the famous movie announcer and Todd Gross have these perfect voices. Thing I would encourage people, like, don't be afraid to use your own voice. We all tend to hate our own voices because the, your, our voice doesn't sound when it's recorded like it does in our head. Yeah. I'm sure you're aware of that, right? So... Oh There's yeah, it's a common thing where people start doing something like they, they like they make a video and they watch it back and they go like, Oh, I hate that sound, I need to have someone else narrate it for me. In most cases I would encourage people to do their own. You know, get themselves out there and not necessarily have to get out get their face out there as much, but don't be afraid to use your own voice to narrate things and stuff because you're better at explaining your stuff than someone else is and don't feel like it has to sound like a million dollar Hollywood announcer. Especially if it's something like this or something like training uh audios or videos that you're making or or whatever I mean don't don't be afraid to get your own voice out there it's funny I had you know a lot of people have the fear of public speaking I had a fear of doing a webinar more than that which made no sense at all to me like why am I more afraid (laughs) to sit at home and do a webinar than I am to get up in front of people all I could think of was like well if you're in front of an audience you have the live feedback you can tell if they're if they like it or hate it but when you're doing a webinar you don't know if people are and then I finally said, "Well, who cares? You know, okay. If, what worst case is somebody hates what I'm saying and they turn me off, and I don't even know about it. So why? And there's probably 20 people on the call anyway. So why do I? Why am I so worried about doing a webinar? And I got over it. Yeah. Well, isn't that true about so many things? I mean, most of this stuff is voices in our head. It's not voices from the outside, of experience oh, right. or ridicule or uh, approval or disapproval. It's usually just voices in our head and like you're imagining what people are thinking and saying and doing on a webinar while you're doing it. So how could that possibly affect the delivery of your webinar if part of your brain is working on that problem, which isn't even a real verifiable problem because you can't It's just what you think about it. And now, and you're thinking about that while you're doing your webinar, it can't help but kind of take down the value that people are getting out of that, right? I see a right. lot of people doing that stuff. I do that. Everybody struggles with it, too. It's like if you know about the problem, it helps immediately, just your awareness that that problem exists helps immediately. That's not the end because you are always going to have to be mindful. Like I am right now trying to slow my words down a little bit more. (laughs) We had a great training on here last week or a week before from a a voice and and personal branding coach. And he Uh was working with me and he was telling me how to breathe and all that stuff. It's something you have to do always. It Uh never just goes away unless you're like Gary And everybody here agrees that Gary's like a unicorn. Vaynerchuk is just a different kind of thing. And he's really in his element. But I'll tell you this, too. One of the things that I learned is that people talk, speak, act differently when they're being recorded, when they're on a stage, when they're – and they don't like the sound of their voice. They're always focused on – all of those things when they should just mm-hmm. be focused on what they're into. And if you learn from somebody like Gary or any of those personalities that, that you like, or you follow podcasters or whatever that are really big and you never think that they have any problem with it. One of the things is that they are 100% in presence. They're present a hundred percent. They're mindful mm-hmm. to exactly what the task is at the time. And it's based on usually their passion for the topic. And so when when you are thinking about doing a podcast or doing a video blog or anything like that to the time that you talk to somebody in private about something you were super excited about and totally passionate and with was somebody you were comfortable, with, your best friend or something mm-hmm. like that. And if you could imagine the recording in your head of how you delivered then versus how you're about to deliver now because you're so worked up about the microphone being on, and people mm-hmm. watching you and judging you and right, stuff like that, right. you'll notice a huge difference in the way that you're delivering or maybe not delivering. And I tell people that and try to keep them the work working on that, and it, it seems to help because they realize that there's that's not really me on stage. That's not really me on that webinar. Not really. And And if people start working on just being them, they might even start to enjoy the sound of their voice in a recording more than it grates on them right now because they're just – not even really delivering the way that they normally would if they were just calm and collected and in, in the moment. Yeah, and I think you find that as much as we don't like the sound of our own voices, like your audience doesn't care; they're they're fine with it as long as I can understand what you're saying. They're not going, "Oh, his yeah. voice well, is perfect," like 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 you're hearing in in your head. So, as much as I would like to have a voice like the the, the Hollywood announcer guy, I don't. So I, I'm not going to sit here wasting time feeling bad about it, right? <laughs> but I've never had anyone say, so, oh, you, I hate the sound of your voice. I can't stand listening to you talk, at least not for that reason. Yeah. I wanted to go back a little bit to uh, the stuff that people are doing with uh ebooks and, and courses and, and things like that. You do funnels for people. What are you doing funnels mostly for? What kinds of people, what kinds of products and business models are you helping people build funnels for these days? Well, we, you know, we don't have any, like, particular niche or industry that we focus on exclusively, but, you know, probably, like, an ideal client for us that we could help the most is someone in the, like, like a real expert, like a coach, author, speaker, that type, because that, that tends to really mm-hmm. lend itself well to a funnel, and, and maybe it's because I have a background, because I started out with info marketing. I know how to help people like that a lot better than, like, say, someone that was selling some, you know, industrial tool manufacturing or something. That would be harder to figure out how to make a funnel to sell that. But you know, but if you're a life coach and you have a course and or something like that that you want to sell, I mean that kind of thing is is so suited to a funnel, especially the webinar part of the funnel, because it's so easy all to right, figure out what right. your lead magnet should be, what your webinar should be, and so forth. Because I really just well, let's put it together like it was my own my own product. Okay, so let's go down that track a little bit more and sure. and. Uh, try to discover why in the world are there so many, I mean, it seems like a, there are a lot of coaches and a lot of like life coaches and stuff making funnels. Now we know mm-hmm. that they're making funnels. Do you see them? I mean, what's that market like? So, cause I think a lot of people have that question. They're like, okay, wait, it seems to be big because everybody's building a funnel. Everybody's got a product and everybody's uh-huh. at least trying to do this, but you get to see results. And you get to see, you get to work closely with people who are actually doing this. Is it really that big of a deal? Can there be more life coaches than there are today in 2018, which it seems like everybody is one? Well, maybe more good ones. And I'm not even really sure what a life coach is. I mean, there's kind of vague definitions of it. Yeah. But um, I I think one issue with coaches, like, like a true coach is like really an expert and actually can get results for their clients. That's a totally different skill from being able to market your coaching. So there's a lot of really good right. coaches that have trouble getting students, and that's where the funnel comes in. And there's also a lot of coaches that the only thing they have to sell is their is their coaching services, especially one on one, so their limit their income's limited by how many hours they can work. Well, if, they can, right. if we can build them a funnel and they can uh, standard advice I give most of them is put together a course with your knowledge in and use that as 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 a, you know a base product. You can sell that to people who'll never pay for your coaching, but they can at least learn something from you that way. You can include that with your coaching. is, is kind of like the, the beginning steps. Um, consider getting a book out there. That that's, makes a really good, really good intro to the funnel, like a real physical book. I would do like a free plus shipping offer on it probably. So now we've gone from just selling one-on-one coaching to having a book, a course, uh, the one-on-one coaching, and, and, then, and then think about doing group coaching where you can deliver similar results uh, a lot more efficiently to more people. And if you do a small group coaching properly, that can be more beneficial than one-on-one, even though that might sound odd. But if you're in a small group with other students and the students can learn from each other as well as learning from the coach, you know. so they've got to be in the yeah. right group and not too big of a group. But you know, Because we always thought, oh, one-on-one coaching is always more valuable. But I've been in some like small groups almost like the mastermind effect. You know, If it's not like 100 people, if it's like five or 10 people and they're at the same level and so forth, that can be just as good or almost just as good as, as one-on-one. And that, you know, obviously I well, can deliver that to a lot more people that way. Yeah, and of course that's one of Gina's biggest non-secret trade secrets uh, is is the group because it's, the, it's people asking questions you would never know how to ask. You would never know to ask. And so you're going to get a lot more uh, out of something in a group in that situation than you ever would in private if you're not, you know, if you're not making your coach aware of the questions that you should be asking. And if you don't know which ones you should be asking, groups have a great uh, tendency to bring up that new information you didn't even know you wanted or needed. Right. So, yeah, Yeah. I mean, and a lot of people went through that. And it takes some of the pressure off you as a student. On a one-on-one call, you're like, oh, this call is all going to be about me if I'm behind anything or whatever I'm gonna look really bad but if I'm in a group, I get to relax a little bit while the other students are talking and that and then maybe I learn something from what they say they don't even have to ask the coach. that I don't feel like I'm um, the pressure is on me for a whole hour long call or how long, you know to, you know what I mean? The student can feel as much pressure as the coach. If right. it's a one on one, depending on the personalities and so forth yeah you know when you say stuff, and I love it when when the, the the tacticians get on the show and you know exactly what to do, you've been through it a thousand times, and you just listed off a bunch of components that would make up a good funnel mm-hmm. for a line of products, not just one product, starting with a book yeah. then a mid range, and then ultimately, in this case, a coaching package that's a high ticket mm-hmm. given that people are constantly giving reminders about how precious life is, how short it is, and how you know, everybody listening to this show has read at least 10 uh, motivational <laughs> books in their life, and everybody's painfully aware of all of these situations. And the way you lay that out, there's something that happens. It's a little phenomenon on this show, at least, and it's mm-hmm. maybe only a phenomenon to me, but it's like it's so easy. I mean, it it, it represents a lot of work, but it's just work. At the end of the right. day, I mean – when people don't get this stuff done, you need a book. Well, you're going to have to sit down right. and write that book, and it's hard to write a book. There's no way to candy coat how hard it is to get a book done. It's just it takes work. If you want to do a good job, right, right. you're not going to do one of those stupid cookie-cutter things where it's like list out your 15 chapters and blah, blah, blah. I mean, that's there, but it's no way to cover up the fact that it's work. And then you move to your mid-range product. You've got to get that laid out. You've got to record it. You've got to get it all together, all the supporting materials. Uh, but it's just a line item at the end of the day, and isn't that wonderful that it can be that simple? And it's such a still a hard problem to fix because there's that human nature that kicks in and life kicks in. You know, I'm trying to get right, my stuff done, right. and you're bothering me, and shut up up there, and <laughs> you know, or some yeah. family member dies or gets sick, or there's so many things life likes to throw into that to complicate it. But it is a very very simple process at its core, and you just listed it off, and it reminded me of that phenomenon. And I would encourage people then, well, what would you encourage people to do? I mean, given both of those scenarios or that both of those things can be true at the same time, it is really easy to do it. takes a lot of work and life gets in the way. I guess it's three things. How do you encourage people to just bite it off, just go for it and do it? Well, I think a lot of it would depend on where they're starting from. I mean, the example I gave you, was with a coach that was already successfully coaching some students and, and just needed help getting more students. So in developing their coaching they would have probably already have enough material for a course. It would just be a matter of putting it in that form. And and by the same logic they would probably have most of the material they would need for a book. But if we're talking about someone that's just starting out from scratch and doesn't have any and have any of that, I guess I don't know if this sounds too cliche or whatever, but I think you know, just start taking little steps. Figure out what you want to do and just start taking little steps towards it. And realize we don't expect someone, if they're starting from zero, you're not going to go out and start a one-on-one coaching program and a group coaching program and create a $1,000 course and, and write a book all at the same time or all in three months or whatever. It's going to take a while to develop all that. And don't feel bad that you don't have all that. But you could be thinking ahead, like someday I want to have all these components. I guess the first step, figure out which of them would make sense for you to develop first. I mean, if you you think you'd be good at coaching, maybe you can develop the coaching first. Maybe you want to start off with the course. I mean, I don't know that there's necessarily a a certain order that you'd have to do those in. But at least have a kind of a vision of where you're headed, if that makes sense. Yeah, I on on hey. don't
1: we tell everybody how they can find Chris?
0: Okay. Well, I'm at customfunnels.com. It's pretty pretty simple. <laughs> good go- good domain name. <laughs> yeah, you know, a, fr- a friend of mine had that and wasn't using it, and I was able to get it for a pretty low price. I, I think it's probably worth a lot more than I paid for it. Oh yeah. Easier like I- It's hard. It's hard to think of a better name for for a service that does that. <laughs> right. Well, Chris, we I, we were having too much fun, and we went a little over our time today, so people are just okay. now listening to the recording. <laughs> okay. But uh, thank you so much for making the time to come in today. And everybody who's interested in finding out more about Chris and how he can help you, go to customfunnels.com. And uh, thank you again. Gina, back to you. Okay.
1: Thank you, Chris. And we will All be right. back same time, same place next week. Have a great week, everybody. Okay. Bye.